Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to my podcast, But First Pivot. I'm Danny, registered dietitian, certified sports dietitian, and CEO of Pivot Nutrition Coaching. I'm here to share my all foods fit approach and real life client success stories to inspire you to pivot away from all the fad diet nonsense and confusion. My goal is to simplify nutrition so you can enjoy foods you love like donuts and pizza and still achieve your health, performance, and body composition goals. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Last episode, my colleague Sam and I did a deep dive on fats. So it only seemed appropriate to bring Sam back into the studio today to talk about carbs and give them the spotlight because I honestly feel like carbs probably have a worse reputation than fats. Would you agree, Sam? Absolutely. I think we had mentioned in our last episode that fat was demonized in like the 90s, early 2000s, and it's still making its way trickling through um, everybody's mindset. But carbs are definitely the biggest fear food, I would say, currently. Yeah, like especially the last 10, 10 years, for sure. And even kids, like young people, especially, are very fearful of carbs. And sadly, a lot of athletes, and we'll come back to why athletes and carbs should be besties. Uh, But before we talk about why carbs have a bad reputation, let's go over some carb basics first. So why don't we start with which foods are considered carbs? Because I feel like when people say, I don't eat carbs, they're really just talking about complex carbs like breads and rice. But carbs is like this broader umbrella. So let's kind of list them all so that people realize that there are more carbs, carb foods than they think. One of the most abundant carb sources I think we should get in our diet is from fruit. Fruit is primarily carbs. There's zero fat and minimal, minimal protein, if any. So fruit is predominantly carbohydrate rich. Vegetables are also considered a carbohydrate. They do not have any fat in them or, and like I said, minimal protein. Oats, cereal, rice, pastas, breads, potatoes, corn, peas, and then sugars, right? So glucose, fructose, galactose, all of those different types of sugars, those are also all considered carbohydrates. And then you also get carbohydrates from other foods such as beans, lentils. There's some carbs in nuts and seeds. You get a little bit of carbs in avocados. Um, So plenty full in your diet. Most foods contain carbs, I feel like, except like animal protein, basically. (laughs) And yeah, the thing with veggies, when people say, I don't eat carbs, I'm like, but do you though? Because I feel like most people that avoid carbs don't avoid veggies. And again, that's where we ask very specific questions when we talk to people. But carbs is this umbrella term. So we only have three macronutrients to work with carbs, protein, and fats. So when categorizing food, they got to fall somewhere. So fruits and veggies are going to fall under the carb category. And just because fruit contains carbs, that does not mean we should be afraid of fruit. I think we need to go sideways for a hot minute and talk about this very important situation. Because I feel like a lot of our clients that come in 
are afraid of bananas, for example. And I'm like, Susan, you can have a banana. Danny says yes. And I've actually had people tell me that they restarted eating bananas because I said on social media, you can have a banana. And people are walking around like eating bananas and their husbands are like, I thought you didn't eat bananas. Danny said I could. So here we are. (laughs) Yes, I've had the same situation with some clients and I I will say to them, I'm like, how silly does it sound that you're thinking you can't process and eat a banana, right? It's so silly. Those foods that we talk about being those nutritious, um, wholesome foods are the foods that you're having problems with. I don't think so. I think the most mind-blowing thing is when clients tell me that they're avoiding bananas or they haven't had bananas in years because bananas have sugar. Meanwhile, this person drinks beer and wine multiple times per week. How is this banana more detrimental to your health than alcohol? This is when I just start losing my mind and like raging around my house and my husband's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, what's wrong? Susan has seven beers a week, but is afraid to eat bananas. That's what's wrong. And I'm like literally crying right now saying this. <laughs> I think you're I, I think you're spot on. And I think that really goes back to mindset around food where it's like, oh, well, I shouldn't eat bananas because so-and-so said so. They're too high in carbs. And then they get to Friday night and they're like, screw it. I can't eat anything. I'm just gonna have beers and I'm gonna I'm gonna Order forget pizza. about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm actually crying though. Like, <laughs> it's just too much. I can't. So, all this to say, let's come back. Let's bring ourselves back. You can have fruit. It's going to be okay. Now, let's move on to why carbs are important. I will start this off with the most important reason energy. Energy, energy, energy. When I teach sports nutrition to athletes, I tell them, when you hear carbs, I want you to just think of the word energy. Carbs are the body's preferred energy source, the number one fuel source for the muscles and the brain. What this means is carbs are super essential for fueling performance, especially high-intensity exercise. The higher the intensity, the more your body relies on carbohydrates for energy. And if it's more of a low-intensity workout, like if you're just doing a walk outside, you're going to utilize more fats for fuel. So as soon as intensity starts to increase, carb usage starts to increase. So the more intense, the more carbs we actually need. And the best part is that one of the favorite things about my job as a coach is that when I start increasing my client's carb intake, because a lot of people come in low carb because they're scared and they've been trying to lose weight on their own and all they know is to cut carbs, we start giving them more carbs and suddenly their sleep improves and their mood and their energy and their recovery and their performance. It's the most magical thing. Have you experienced this with your clients, Sam? Definitely. And even digestion, I find, you know, they're, they're like, oh, you know, all of a sudden I'm not bloated all the time and I'm having regular bowel movements and um, those types of things too, which again, we demonize carbs as, oh, maybe that's the cause of, and oftentimes it's the opposite. 
yeah, and we'll come back to the digestion carb piece uh, very soon. But I want to come back to the sports nutrition just a little bit. And I've mentioned this before, episode 24, I talked about pre, during, and post-workout nutrition. And one thing that I've realized coaching athletes or active people for over seven years now is that most active people are not eating enough carbs to support performance. It is mind-blowing to me that these endurance athletes are coming in and a lot of them are adult endurance athletes and they're training for marathons, eating less than 200 grams of carbs on days where they're running multiple miles. And I just can't believe it. Like, how are they even finishing these long runs? I have no idea. And just to give an example of how much you should eat. So people who train at moderate to high intensities for one hour in a day. So let's say you have a moderate to intense one hour workout. You should be eating at least three grams of carbs per kilo of body weight. So just as an example, pre-pregnancy, because we don't count pregnancy weight, pre-pregnancy, I weighed 130, okay? So if I multiply, well, 130, let's convert that into kilos times three, because three grams per kilo, that's 175 grams of carbs per day to fuel my body optimally for this one hour workout. 175 is not that much. Like I can eat way more than that. And when I was in my muscle building phase last summer and last spring, I was actually eating 265 grams of carbs per day, which was a little bit harder, but bagels. I mean, when in doubt, add a bagel. Uh, But just to show you that, again, if you're training for an hour a day on average, at least three grams of carbs per kilo goes a long way. And most people actually benefit from more, but that's just the minimum. So I would start there if you're not there yet. What are other reasons? carbs are important. One of my favorite topics, you might ask my clients and they might agree, (laughs) is fiber. I think fiber is so underrated in in the nutrition world. And you're not getting fiber from your animal products. So that's the best way to describe it is you're not getting fiber from your protein and your meats and your dairy, you're getting fiber from your carbs and your plants. And that's your fruits and your vegetables and your breads and your pastas and your rices. Um, So if you're not eating enough carbohydrates, you're going to have a very, very hard time meeting your fiber goals, which is part of that digestion that we just mentioned earlier. If you're not eating enough fiber, you are going to feel bloated and you are going to be constipated. You are going to be you know, feeling like, oh, anytime I eat something, I get an upset stomach because you're not having enough fiber to allow the body um, to get rid of those foods. So with fiber, we recommend yeah, 25 to 35 grams per day on average. And if you're not eating enough carbohydrates, if you're eating less than 100 grams, you're not meeting 25 to 35 grams of fiber per day. The other benefit of having enough fiber in your diet is that it helps balance your blood sugars. And this is super important for maintaining that energy that the carbs have provided for you. But it also allows us to keep 
stay fuller for longer, stay satiated, prevents any diseases such as diabetes. So carbs are more than just a food group that should be demonized, but not even that, you know, it's more than just energy. There's plenty of things underneath the surface that carbs do for us as well. Now, I know you have a lot of experience with diabetes, Sam, and I think people that have diabetes are fearful of carbs. So do you have any just general, very actionable advice for people that maybe are pre-diabetic, have diabetes, diabetes runs in their family, just overall with carbs and balancing blood sugars? Yeah, so that. That's a really good point. Oftentimes when we think, oh, like if I am pre-diabetic or insulin resistant or or diabetic, I should cut out the carbs. And that's oftentimes where it gets fear-mongered. But you don't have to cut them out. You just want to balance them within your day. So you want to have your carbohydrates, particularly those that are rich in fiber, balanced with some healthy fats and some protein. Those three in combination will keep your blood sugar steady instead of causing them to have a rapid blood sugar spike and then a crash, which is where that pre-diabetic or diabetic range comes in. So making sure you're balancing it out with proteins and healthy fats, taking 10 minute walks after meals, um, making sure your snacks are also balanced, right? So instead of just grabbing for crackers, add some cheese or peanut butter or something like that along the lines to make sure that those carbohydrates are staying steady in our stomach instead of digesting them very, very quickly. And we like to say no naked carbs to (laughs) have our clients remember to pair their carbs with protein and fats. And we've mentioned this on the podcast before, no naked carbs. That means if you're having a meal or a snack, What we don't want is just a carb by itself. So we don't just want to have a piece of toast or a banana by itself. We want to pair it with protein and healthy fats. The only time naked carbs are super appropriate is within 30 minutes of high intensity exercise. So if I'm about to go do a high intensity workout in 30 minutes, I don't want lots of protein and fats because they're not well tolerated right before exercise. Carbs, especially low fiber carbs, is number one within that 30 minute window of high intensity exercise. So no naked carbs most of the time. And honestly, I think most adults don't really train at very high intensities. Like when I was an athlete, yeah, I'm doing plyos and box jumps and like sprints. But as an adult, it's mostly lifting weights and doing a little bit of conditioning at the end. I wouldn't consider my adult workouts high intensity compared to college athletics. So most people, most adults will do just fine with some protein, carbs, and fats before exercise because we're not typically training at high intensities unless someone is a next level CrossFitter. That would be maybe an exception. And again, you can still have those protein, carbs, and fats a little further away from that workout. I just wouldn't do it in that 30-minute window. One of the last things I want to mention about carbs and why they're important is satisfaction. A lot of things we talked about are a little bit more intense, like blood sugar balance and digestion and energy. But 
satisfaction matters too. I think that food should be enjoyed and food is one of the best parts about life. I love to travel because I get to try new foods. Carbs are satisfying and delicious. So if you enjoy carbs, why would you even consider completely eliminating them from your diet? And if your goal is fat loss, eliminating them is also not a long-term solution. I just it just breaks my heart when people tell me that keto is the only way for them to lose weight because carbs are so great and it really breaks my heart that people feel like they have to take them out to see results because they don't. I've been earlier this year I was on live radio a few times and people kept calling in to the radio station while I'm live and telling me how much weight they lost doing keto. They're like, I lost 65 pounds doing keto. And I'm like, great, I'm so happy for you. But just know that you could have lost 65 pounds without removing carbs. Because at the end of the day, we just really need to create a calorie deficit, which you and I will come back to in a little bit, our favorite topic. But I want to spend a little bit of time talking about fiber because we briefly mentioned it, but a lot of people struggle with digestion and bloating, and a lot of people are trying to improve heart health. So let's dive into fiber just a little bit. We're going to try not to go on a tangent with fiber, but let's explain what fiber does and then which foods have fiber so that we can help our listeners understand fiber a little bit better. Yeah. So fiber, like I said, comes from plant foods and our bodies do not break that fiber down. So it does pass through undigested, which kind of feels like, well, what's the point? Like what, why, why eat it if it's not digested? And the point is all of those things I said earlier is it, it helps blood sugar balance, it helps gut health, digestion. So oftentimes, if somebody comes to us, and they're bloated, and they don't feel good, they're constipated, or this and that, that's the first place we go is, all right, let's just look at where your fiber intake is throughout the day. Are we eating enough fiber to achieve those goals? So there's two different types of fiber. The first type of fiber is called soluble fiber. And we like to think of this as a sponge. So this slows down the digestive process by absorbing water and turning it into a gel-like substance. So this is often beneficial for diarrhea, constipation, lowering cholesterol levels, and improving those blood sugars. So with, with different types of soluble fiber, you also want the other type of fiber, which is insoluble fiber. And this one more so acts like the broom. So you have something kind of soaking it up as a sponge, and then you have the thing that's kind of pushing it through the intestines, which is the insoluble fiber. This does take longer to break down, but it improves bowel health and prevents and treats constipation. So some fiber sources that you can include in your diet are things like avocado, berries, oatmeal, beans, and lentils, uh, split peas, chia seeds, and then high fiber breads, and also things like collard greens. So some variety for you to choose from. And I think the easiest one, especially in the summer, because berries are in season, are raspberries and blackberries. One cup of raspberries gives you eight grams. 
and it's about seven grams for one cup of blackberries. It is not hard to eat one cup of berries, you guys. So especially when berries are in season, they're more affordable. If you shop at Sam's Club or Costco, you can get a large amount of berries for like five bucks and just one cup. And you are about a third to the daily minimum goal of 25 grams. So we're getting real close with just one cup. So when in doubt, add a cup of berries to help with your fiber intake. We went over some background on carbs. Which foods are carbs? What's fiber? Where do we find it? Why are carbs important? Now let's dive into the fun stuff, the stuff that we like to rage about and talk (laughs) about with our clients. And we talked about this just a smidge, but let's really dive into why carbs have a bad reputation. And I'll start because I feel like the first thing is people say, carbs make me gain weight. When I don't eat carbs, I lose weight. And when I eat carbs, I gain weight. The first thing I want to say about this, and feel free to chime in, when we eat carbs, carbs are stored as glycogen. And for every gram of glycogen that we store, water molecules are stored with it. So about three to four grams of water per gram of glycogen. So when we eat carbs, we are just retaining more water. So it doesn't mean that you are gaining fat when you eat carbs, especially when it's an overnight fluctuation, right? We talked about this on the podcast before, like, why does the scale go up when I eat carbs? Well, short term, it's because you're just holding on to more water because you have more carbs stored in your body. So you'll notice that if you were to cut carbs really aggressively for about 24 to 72 hours, you would probably lose a few pounds because you're shedding that water that you were retaining because carbs were in your system. Once carbs are out of the system, we don't have that water retention. So that's one of the reasons that carbs might have a bad reputation, but people don't realize that it's a storage situation, not a fat situation. I think there's that's the biggest thing too, is being able to differentiate between the two is weight loss doesn't equal fat loss. So just because you lost some pounds on the scale doesn't mean you've lost body fat, which is what you are likely trying to achieve. So who cares if the scale moved three or four pounds if it's water? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that brings me back to the second episode I ever recorded. If you go all the way back to episode two, I did a whole episode on fat loss versus weight loss. So if you're new to this podcast and you haven't gone back all the way, definitely worth listening to, especially if you are on a weight management journey. Another reason that carbs could potentially lead to weight gain, again, carbs do not directly cause weight gain, but the reason they have a bad reputation is that people think that it leads to weight gain. And one of the reasons for this is that carbs are the macronutrient that's easiest to overeat. For example, popcorn and cereal. Popcorn is a carb, cereal is a carb. Have you ever looked at a box of cereal to see what one serving is? 
for most cereals, one serving is either a three-quarter cup or one cup. Never have I ever, if we're playing that game, the nutrition (laughs) version, never have I ever, we should actually do that, but the (laughs) nutrition version, that'd be hilarious. Um, Never have I ever seen someone eat one serving of cereal, ever, in my life. And just for funsies, I think everybody, if you have a cereal box in your house and a food scale, take out the food scale, throw a bowl on it, set it to zero, and then I want you to weigh out one serving and look how tiny and sad that serving is. Most people eat three to four servings of cereal because one serving is tiny and one serving is not filling or satisfying because. There's not a lot of fiber, fat, and protein in cereal, which are all things that help you feel full. So again, carbs are just easy to overeat. Let's come back to the popcorn example. You go to the movie theater, you get a big tub of popcorn. That's really easy to eat. One, because you're distracted and distractions lead to overeating, but it's not hard to overeat popcorn. Because again, there's not a lot of fat and protein. There is some fiber, but I feel like not the kind of fiber that really makes you feel full. It's just easy to overeat popcorn in general. Can you think of other carbs, Sam, that are really easy to overeat? You just made me think of kind of circling back before I get there is carbs' primary source is to provide us energy. To provide us energy, we need to break it down really quick so it does that job. So that's why it doesn't feel satiating long term if we eat it alone because our body is breaking it down really rapidly to provide us that energy. So that's why it's easy to overconsume when you're just eating that food by itself. For me, it definitely comes in like a granola situation or like a dried fruit because it is condensed down a little bit, it would be really easy to overconsume something like dried fruit. So again, it's not we're not saying you shouldn't eat these foods, but make sure you're not eating them alone. So cereal is a really good sam- example or granola. Add it to your Greek yogurt instead of just eating it on its own or using a protein shake as your milk for cereal instead of just almond milk that has no protein at all to make that food more satiating for you. Granola is so easy to overeat. That is definitely at the top. Oh, so, so good. And again, we're not saying these things are bad, but awareness. Let's create awareness that it's easier to overeat carb rich foods and we should probably portion them out and again pair them with protein and healthy fats otherwise we will never be full and we're going to eat the whole bag so i think the number one reason carbs have a bad reputation is that people think that carbs directly cause weight gain so a does not equal b carbs do not lead to weight gain we talked about this last week because we had this same conversation with fats Fats also do not directly cause weight gain. Eating in a calorie surplus over time leads to weight gain. And honestly, most fat, most foods that we tend to overweight with carbs have fats in them and vice versa, which we talked about last week. And we'll dive into that with 
like low carb and keto diets often result in fat loss. You want to dive into that, Sam? Any diet you are on that is creating a calorie deficit will create fat loss for you. So if you are cutting out an entire food group, which as we mentioned before, is a lot of foods that you're getting carbohydrates from, you're likely going to see fat loss because you don't have many foods to choose from from at that point. So you're likely putting yourself in a caloric deficit without even realizing it. So if you were regularly having popcorn at night, eating cereal for breakfast, snacking on goldfish during the day, and you cut all of those out, well, now you're in a calorie deficit likely because that maybe have had added up to six, 700 extra calories in your day that you have taken out. And like we mentioned last week with the fats, when people go low fat, they're also cutting out a lot of added sugars and carbs. And it's the same thing with low carb diets is that when we're low carb, we're not eating those cookies, pastries, things like that, that also contain fats. Obviously, keto is not the same as low carb, which I think is worth mentioning. Low carb and keto, not the same. There's no actual definition of a low carb diet. It's just you're eating less carbs than you were before. Keto is a little bit more specific if you're doing it right, right? I feel like a lot of people say, I'm on a keto diet, but are they really? I was on a adult softball team and I still remember there was a guy on my team that told us he was keto. And then the next week at after the game, he had like he was double fisting beers. And I'm like, bro. Didn't you just say last week you were on a keto diet? He's like, yeah, today's my cheat day. And I'm like, well, you're not in ketosis if you have a cheat day. What is, just call it a low carb diet. Don't say it's keto if you're gonna throw in some beers like a couple times a week. That's that's not a thing. And that's one of the most frustrating things with the keto diet is that people say they're keto and they're really not. I have a funny story similar to that. My poor fiance will tell people that I'm a dietitian just naturally. And then they come at him with like what diets they're on. And at his new job, there's this one guy who claims to be on keto. And so he was telling me about it. And the one day he's like, Oh, yeah, they ordered pizza for us. And I was like, Well, what did Steven do? And he goes, he ate the pizza, like confused. And I was like, Well, isn't he on a keto diet? And he started laughing. He was like, Oh, yeah, I don't know. I guess he just does it when he wants to. Not today. (laughs) And that's the thing about these diets is that when diets are restrictive, people cheat on them. Like they take Mm. days off. And maybe I feel like most typically they're quote unquote good Monday through Friday. And then Friday 5 p.m. hits. And now we're not keto anymore. What's the point? I'm just I just don't understand the point of being restrictive. When you're going to cheat on the diet, you might as well just not be so restrictive, which is what we teach our clients to do. But it's just, I just don't understand. I'm like pulling my hair right now because it just doesn't make sense to me why you would restrict so much. Like Monday through Friday, you're not eating any carbs and you're living on fats and protein only to go back to all the carbs on the weekend. It's just... 
It's just a vicious circle and we're not really getting anywhere. Of course, some people stick to it really aggressively for months and months and they lose all the weight. But and then what? At what point do you start to reintroduce carbs? And the guy I was talking about, the guy that on my softball team that was quote unquote keto, we're not sure. He told us he lost 65 pounds. I saw him the next year and he told me he gained it all back. Because people have a really hard time maintaining weight loss after restrictive diets, which is why the last phase of our program is maintenance. Like, what's the point of losing 30, 40, 50, 65 pounds if you can't maintain it long term? And it's even sadder when people gain it back, like, right away. Like, as soon as they stop cutting out carbs, it just comes back on. And there's a solution to that, but. That's a whole other episode on its own. But you have a client, Sam, let's talk about her briefly, that started a few weeks ago and she came in, I believe, eating like 25 grams of carbs is what she told me over the phone. And she's like struggling with energy. And I'm like, girlfriend, it's about to get real magical as long as you trust us. She's like, I trust you. And I'm like, okay, great. You're going to work with Sam. And it's about to get real. So let's talk about her. Yeah. So after our initial assessment, we realized that she was eating like 30 grams of net carbs. And I don't really want to get into that today. I don't, I think that's a whole, probably whole episode on its own. So we ended up figuring out she was probably eating between 50 to 70 grams of carbs per day. Regardless, super low. So over the past, I think it's been about six weeks now, she is eating over 200 grams of carbs. She feels amazing. Her digestion is great. Her energy for her workouts are amazing. And she's like, what What else can I eat? You know, she gets excited about adding these new foods into her diet because she was just eating the same old things because she was so restrictive about what she could consume. So that has been really fun to see is really more than doubling the amount of carbs she's eaten and seeing how she's been responding positively to that. Yeah. Giving people more carbs is like the greatest gift that we can <laughs> give them. And it's so fun when everything starts to improve and they realize like, oh, I don't have to cut carbs to lose weight or improve my health. It's just so great. I don't think I've ever even told you this story. But in 2016, I worked for a company and we had to take turns doing research on a popular diet. I chose keto, but I hate doing research, like being on my computer more than I need to be. So instead of doing research for my presentation, I chose to just put myself through keto for 21 days. And I documented this. I did like a little mini PowerPoint. I think I still have it on a thumb drive, but I'm going to talk about that real quick because I think it'll be fun to talk about since we're on the topic. So 2016, I did 21 days keto, tracking my food, weighing everything out. The first day I felt totally normal because it's just day one. There's still carbs lingering in the system. Day two, still feeling good. Gosh, once I hit day four and five, the struggle was real. I 
was getting lightheaded every time I stood up. After 5 p.m., I needed to go to bed. My energy levels were just straight up garbage. And in the gym where I used to work out in 2016, there's this thing called this Versa Climber. And it's basically you're climbing a mountain, but like leaning on a wall. And I still remember being on that during the keto. And I was like, why is this so hard? I'm actually good at this machine. But I think the most difficult part was how restrictive I felt in social situations. I was still on that same softball team because I was on that team for a few years. And I still remember going out with the team after and everybody is like ordering all the things. And I ordered a burger with no bun. It was just very, very sad. I called it a sad burger. And everything I was eating was just like meat and like cheese and oils and like everything was fats. And because like it's not just a low carb diet, it's like a very low carb diet. And all the little grams of carbs count, even the carbs that are within fats, like nuts and seeds. So I was like, oh my gosh, these carbs, these, you know, you got to stay under like 30 grams. Um, on a keto. And it was even like bell pepper carbs were adding up and it's like two grams. And I'm like, oh, these grams are killing me. But I think the hardest part was just the energy and also the social restriction and then feeling dehydrated all the time. That was one of the things I didn't expect. But it makes sense because when you eat carbs, remember, You're storing more water in your body, and water is hydrating. I always felt dehydrated. It was the weirdest thing. The only benefit, because I took, even though it was only 21 days or three weeks, I did do before and after pictures, and my like midsection looked less like bloated, like it looked leaner. But I'm, I'm like, this isn't even worth it. Like it was so not worth it to feel so deprived and restricted and lightheaded and low energy. And just like most people, when the diet ends, they like go nuts. I baked an entire, (laughs) I baked a carrot cake for this occasion. Like it was like a full on, like tomorrow my diet ends and I made a giant carrot cake and I crushed so much carrot cake And then I went out and ordered all the things. And that's a very typical response when you're restricted. And this is what people do. They're good Monday through Friday. They feel so restricted. And they're like, screw it, I'm going out. And they're like, oh, I feel so much better. So even me as a dietitian, that's how I felt. And I felt like I needed to splurge because I felt so deprived for three weeks. So just a little fun side story about my... 2016 keto experiment. I have to find that PowerPoint and show you because it's very entertaining. Lastly, I want to talk about, since we're still on the keto topic, I want to talk about how keto on a label, like you're in the grocery store and so many products now say keto on them. And I feel like there is no standard definition of keto. Like they can just slap that on a package. So let's talk about how that's a thing. And also, seeing the word keto on a package does not necessarily mean it's healthy. So let's dive into that. Yeah, that is all over right now. You can't find a product without it saying keto on it anymore, I swear. And 
there is no regulation by the FDA or the USDA about what keto means. So products can put it on the front of their labels because there's no one's regulating what that means. I think as I've looked at the products, what I'm getting out of it is that if they add a ton of fiber to it, they can consider it a low net carb product, which then they consider keto. But that doesn't necessarily mean this product is healthier for you. So I'm just going to use bread as an example. You can find just like nature's own whole wheat bread for 70 calories a slice and three grams of fiber, for example. And then there's these breads that have this keto label that have 40 calories a slice and 12 grams of fiber. Well, all of that fiber is added fiber, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but we really want to be getting fiber naturally from our foods, like we mentioned before, and berries and avocados and whole grains naturally. All of this added fiber can actually be a disruptor to the gut. So when you're eating all of these keto-labeled products, you're probably getting a ton of fiber in your diet, but maybe not the fiber we necessarily are looking for. So just because something says keto on it does not necessarily mean it's a healthier option. And this is where just awareness, consumer awareness, having the knowledge and actually reading the label is going to be really informative for you. Yeah. And same with low carb, right? These terms do not mean healthy. Like so many things don't mean healthy. Low calorie doesn't mean healthy. Low carb doesn't mean healthy. Keto doesn't mean healthy. So we need to be aware that most things that you see on a package is a marketing game. And I love marketing games. They are so entertaining. When I see gummy bears that say fat-free in this big, shiny, yellow circle, like, fat free and people are like these gummy bears are so healthy they're fat free why would there be fat in gummy bears what is going on here so marketing is probably the most entertaining part of my job when i walking down the grocery store and if shane's with me i'm like laughing at like a package he's like what's so funny i was like these gummy bears say fat free it's hilarious and i'm like <laughs> taking a picture he's like He's like, it's not even that funny. And I'm like crying. And I'm like, this is hilarious. Someone came up with this and they thought this is going to sell more gummy bears. And it does. And it just blows my mind. Oh, I should have went into marketing. It's so entertaining. We would have been I honestly thought about going into marketing and I ethically couldn't because I did love nutrition so much. And I'm like, (laughs) it goes against everything. (laughs) You're right. Because they want you to come up with this kind of stuff. Like, yeah put keto on a package and I'd just be like, but it's not. And then I get fired. (laughs) Yeah, we're not going into marketing. We've just decided we can't do it. Uh, Anything else we want to add about carbs before we leave our listeners with all this fun? Just like, you know, last week we talked about fats. I think it's just as important to remember that all of your macronutrients matter. They all serve a purpose. So let's not demonize any one of them. Carbs are our friends. We talked about how beneficial they are for us throughout our day. So go have some potatoes with dinner. Have a banana guilt-free on us. (laughs) You can have carbs 
and still improve your health, achieve your fat loss goals. You can still build muscle. You can still look and feel good. All the things. Carbs are not the enemy. And honestly, anyone who says, I don't like carbs, I don't trust that person. They're lying. This person (laughs) is lying and can't be trusted because carbs are magical. So let's not fear them, my friends. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the channel and share with one friend who would benefit from this message. Need help with your nutrition? Find me on Instagram at DannyVRD or visit our website, pivotnutritioncoaching.com. Thanks for listening.